Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. But as always, we kick things off with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Well, hello there, and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us on our Facebook live stream, welcome to you. Today is Wednesday, August the 11th. Otherwise, if you're catching up with us over the airwaves, welcome to you as well. It's now Thursday, the 12th of August. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining us today in the studio, we've got Emma Vanak, and also we've got Shirley Lin. Hi there. Hello. Coming, hello. Up, coming up next, we're going to be telling you a very touching little story about the kindness of strangers. And also, uh, Taiwan's next uh, bid for Olympic glory. It's still a little way, ways away, but it's never too early to start preparing. And also, the bizarre fashion choices of a woman who uh, recently got vaccinated. We'll be telling you about uh, why she made the decision that she did, the eye-catching decision, I might add. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, it was a long postponed dream, but for one little four-year-old girl, but it's finally come true. She has moved out of what was a literal former pig shed into a, her dream house, thanks to a group of hardworking volunteers who spent two weeks in the rain. We have had a very rainy last two weeks, haven't we? We with did. A typhoon scraping past us and whatnot, but there were uh, floods too. Yeah. A group of uh, a group of volunteers from all over Taiwan uh, actually got together to uh, build a new home for not just her, but her whole family as well. Uh, they're in Yunin County, which is a very rural part of Taiwan, or a fairly rural part of Taiwan. And the family had been living in a house that was not just a, only a converted pig shed, but also was, was heavily damaged structurally and was uh, in danger of collapsing at any moment. It's not a sort of place you want to raise a family, mm. um, but it was a, a poverty-stricken family. And volunteers from the Taiwan Hope Volunteer Group, some of whom traveled from across the country, hundreds of kilometers, uh, got together, spent two weeks, and finished the job up on Sunday. And um, Oh, you mean like in time for the uh, Chinese Father's Day? Uh, in the Taiwanese, Taiwanese Father's Day. Taiwanese Father's Day, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, and this little girl was so happy. I mean, I, as you would imagine, having moved out of a literal former pigsty yeah that's crazy um, um have you guys ever seen there's a show called extreme makeover home edition that's yeah. what it's making me think of i used to love that i'd love it too but i feel like this is a much more extreme example of that none of them are living in pigsties literally living in a pigsty it had been used by pigs previously that was wow. the previous occupants um okay. so yeah and also in danger of collapse like rotting away at the foundations and uh she put on a party dress and presented a hand-drawn card to thank the volunteers on Sunday and uh, they even made sure that everything was like in her favorite colors pink and blue and uh, they put a doll a big doll in the room and a stack of storybooks for her so like they didn't just build a house they built 
a future for her, a place to grow up properly. Um, she's only four. That's she sounds she so much had, more mature than her age. Well, so they did this based on her own, I imagine, adapted blueprints. She drew a picture, a, a, a schematic of what her dream house would look like, what like, where the rooms would be, and everything. I don't think and I would have been able wow. to do that when I'm. Well, yeah, I was four. I, <laughs> I well, wonder no, just what my map of like. I want my room to be here, yeah, and and they built it based on those blueprints, and. Um, yeah, uh, they said that uh, the group the, learned about the family situation in February. Uh, I'm not quite sure how. It doesn't explain how they got. Maybe they reached out themselves for help. And they visited the place, realized that this is a dangerous structure. A real pigsty. And, well, and dangerous, too. It could yeah. fall on top of their heads. Uh, it was risking, in risk of collapse. So they made it a priority. Apparently, they renovate lots of places like these for families in need. They planned to start in the middle of May, but that's exactly when our COVID outbreak started. Oh. So oh, it's been postponed right. till the last two weeks. I mean, this isn't really, but people came, like I said, for hundreds of kilometers. One one uh, teacher who volunteered for the project came all the way from Hualien and didn't miss a single day. So she must have been staying in a local hotel or something. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's not a huge house, but it's about 70 square meters. It's got three bedrooms, one for her parents, one for the her, and one for the grandmother that lives with them. Mm. I mean, and it's definitely bigger than the apartment I'm living yeah. in. <laughs> Well, it's also in a rural area. They they were very thoughtful, though. They thought about everything. Uh, in addition to thinking about all her design choices and aesthetics and what she would like, they also realized that they're in a floodplain. So that's not oh, good. Oh. And it was, a, I guess, it, because it had been flooding in yeah. the nearby parts of Taiwan at the time. So they built a 30-centimeter platform to, as a foundation, as a precaution. Oh, so okay. it's above... Yeah, they used fire-resistant materials that, and also things that keep out heat and noise. So it's a very pleasant, and it cost about seven hundred thousand NT dollars, which actually is a pretty budget. Yeah, yeah, that sounds reasonable. like a pretty good deal. Uh, I mean, I no. don't, I can't think of any house here in Taiwan that costs no. remotely no. that little. Um, all donated. The cost was covered by someone, a donor from Taipei. Oh, okay. So all by one person. That's yeah. really wow. That's really someone with the means uh, thought about someone else, especially. And like I said, we, this was Father's Day of the past weekend in Taiwan when they finished the unveiled the final project. So they really thought about the family dynamic and everything. A really sweet little thing. People in Taiwan, we look out for one another. Mm. Well, it was a big upset at the Tokyo Olympics because Taiwan's baseball team, one of our best Olympic medal hopes, didn't end up going for reasons related to COVID right. and logistics. And uh, it was a will they, won't they story for a while. And then eventually they just didn't. And this go. was like really upsetting because I don't think it's baseball our, is always at the Olympics. It's our national right? sport. It's our national sport. It's the last time they're going to have it. It was brought back just for these games and it's not coming back in the foreseeable future. So uh. it was a one-time chance. Uh, but there's another sport in three years' time at Paris that we do have a shot at. It's okay. believed. And it's a new event, Olympic event. They're always adding and removing things. Uh, I wonder if you guys can guess. Any, a new sport? What kind of sports have you never seen at the Olympics? Think, 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 think. Any ideas? Um, foosball? Ah, uh, that would be a good one. Um, the <laughs> answer then frisbee. No, fr frisbee. Frisbee would, ultimate frisbee would be a good addition right? to the Olympics too. I'm oh, thinking my like, kids love Playing no, frisbee. the answer is breakdancing. Breakdancing? Really? Well, that's a very, <laughs> very modern thing. <laughs> it's a very modern thing. It's also very popular among, let's shall we say, 
kids about Olympic age here in Taiwan, you always see groups practicing in parks and in uh, in our case, uh, the flower, the former flower expo center near mm. us. There's always they're multi- really good. They're really good, and there's multiple groups from different schools practicing at the same time. Very. They could they could star as backup dancers in a film, I think, mm. in a movie music video. Anyway, um, but I had to laugh because do you you'll never guess who is the chairman of the Breaking Association here in Taiwan. <laughs> I shouldn't Someone, laugh. It's very the oh, last person you would think of. Can't think of um, uh, former Taipei mayoral candidate Sean Lien. A politician. Yeah. I was going to guess Han Guoyu. <laughs> oh, uh, could, yeah, he's a break dancer. No, yeah, but it's <laughs> no, kind of the same like thing. Like someone, not the sort of person you could ever picture said. being a b boy. No. Yeah. Um, he's think... in his fifties and uh, just doesn't look the part. Shall Maybe we say? Maybe that just goes to show that you can never guess who is a break dancer. No, it goes to oh, show that in Taiwan, really? uh, politics and sports are to- closely tied. We've got a sports administration and all that, and so. But anyway. Maybe an unlikely person to head. I would think an actual breakdancer would be in charge. But uh, he's in charge, and he wants to give our... I mean, he's doing his best to get our uh, champion breakdancers the best funding and support they can from the government so that maybe breakdancing can be Taiwan's new thing. If We've lost baseball, so... <laughs> oh, wait, does this politician not actually breakdance? So he, I would pay good money to see him try to break dance, yeah, but really, it doesn't strike me as the sort really of person. He's tall. He's a big guy. He just guy. doesn't have the physique for it. Yeah. Or I, the I look. Like, break dancers have a certain you, swagger. I was kind of picturing no as the politician, Olympic coach. <laughs> no, no politician here I can think of. Breakdancing um, coach, maybe. Maybe this is his dream, but he's, he knows be. he's can't well, You know what? He's doing... Okay, we shouldn't make fun. He's doing his best <laughs> okay. to, um, to get support for these. And uh, there was a news conference that... Uh, at KMT, he's from KMT, affiliated think tank uh, had, uh, and that's after we did our best ever at the Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, so why not keep up the good work and try and beat that record next time? Um, so, uh, and this is especially important because apparently the Paris Committee is planning to reduce the number of weightlifters and boxers, and of course weightlifting was one of the events we got a gold in. Yeah. So that could really hurt our chances on the medal table next time. So we got to find something to... <laughs> you know, make up for that potential loss. Um, and uh, he says that, uh, you know, we have a good, Sean Lian says that we have a good uh, track chance? record. Oh, okay. that could, that if we that, given the that, right support, we could, act, we have a good chance. Um, really? Taiwan's break dancers, I did not know this, nearly made it to the semifinals at the 2018 Summer Youth Olympics. Uh, but he says that government government officials, strange because I think he is one. Yeah, he is one. Himself. Didn't get the sport at the time, and this oh. this this quote this part of the quote made me crack up. Some officials apparently he said thought that it was just another type of folk dance. <laughs> <laughs> Some cultural you really movement. don't know. Um, yeah, it's quite different. Um, Have you guys ever yeah, tried break dancing before? No, yeah. I would I'll break probably, something. I'll break all my bones. Oh, I uh, had to be a judge for a break dancing competition once. Do you have like qualifications from somewhere? Absolutely not. Oh, um, I was going to say because there are actually <laughs> there in this of, article looking for judges from Taiwan. So oh, maybe you really? could. What kind of background do you have? Do you a dance? Do you dance or ballet? It was, it was or... a super informal competition. Okay. Like it was for kids and stuff. Oh, um, wow. I was yeah. I don't know. I think I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. <laughs> I have no qualifications. Yeah. Um, so Sean Lin wants the government for the 2024 Paris Games to have a well-established mechanism for choosing the break dancers and training them, but also giving them support and training judges. Because I think there, it's with, with all Olympic sports that have judges, it's very complicated, the criteria they look for. It's never a simple formula. You know, there's always a, a lot of... 
Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I was watching the diving and was like, how they all made a splash? How do you differentiate? <laughs> but there are yeah. things to look for, and you got to train people t- to look out for them, right? Right. So they can make a good, reasonable assessment. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, he's... he. That's that's the latest here. Um, it's a big of a a bit of an interesting thing how, because I don't think like in the U.S. for instance, politicians get involved <laughs> with like the U.S. Olympic Committee. I think they're very separate. Sporting bodies and government are separate. Here yeah. we've got a sports administration that's been and it says later here in the article about the kerfuffle with the business class, where they officials sat in business class. They took the athlete seats and made the athlete sit and coach. Really? Yeah, yeah. You didn't hear about this? No. So there's still a lot of flack flying around that, and I feel like... This was the U.S. team? No, this was the no, Taiwan Taiwan team. team. Oh, the Taiwan yeah. team. And yeah. so uh, it's kind of interesting, but I guess uh, in Taiwan, if you've got a sporting body, someone from so- some party has to be in charge of it. Uh, well, I look forward to seeing what our break dancers can pull off. Um, yeah, there's really. definitely a lot of them around. Uh, maybe we've got someone of Olympic quality. a lot of people taking selfies while they get vaccinated for covid lately um so i guess a lot of people might put some thought into what to wear for the big of a, of a occasion i mean you've got two chances with most of the vaccines right? gotta look your best yeah. but yeah if you want to get that on instagram you know i got vaccinated um this woman took a different fashion route than i think most vaccine selfie people would <laughs> yeah she she definitely what did, did she wear and why she wore a dinosaur costume it's uh, actually to be exact tyrannosaurus rex is it one of those costume. inflatable ones because the, yeah, yeah. the, the needle would because the needle would poke through like it a, and deflate oh, it oh no she well i'll tell you no it wasn't so ha- get logistically how she did thought she thought of everything yeah okay she came prepared yeah well the reason why she did that though she later said her name is huang that's her last name she said she wanted to help alleviate the stress of some vaccine recipients at the place. Well, she definitely caused confusion, <laughs> I would imagine. No, but she also was there to really encourage the medical workers there. It's funny because somebody, I'm not sure if it was a friend, who followed her behind her as she swaggered in um, into the auditorium of the uh, Zhongxin to, Elementary School in Taizong. To make sure she so didn't fall over, missed. I guess? Yeah, well, you know, it's the auditorium, so it's like the rows of chairs, yeah. and she was walking in between. It's like, hard to sit down aisle. in one of those suits. Well, it was funny because... Have you tried? No, but they're just all puffed <laughs> up with air. How do you sit I down? I caught you. <laughs> you know, it was funny. You needed a spotter. Yeah. Well, either her friend or somebody who took the video was uh, walking behind her, and she just swaggered in. It was just so funny. Every time I watched the video, I was laughing. Then she was like led to the very first chair in one of the rows. And yeah, I guess dinosaurs do nurse, get priority, don't they? Huh? Yeah, it, it seems that way. But there weren't that many people there, um, you know, uh, taking their vaccines. But uh, it's unfortunate because she made such a scene. If there were more people there, right, it would have been really great. But anyway, um, one of the nurses helped her to the chair. And, you know, it's one of those collapsible chairs. So she actually held up her tail yeah. and stuck it through the <laughs> hole, say, you know, like it's the opening in the chair. Easy <laughs> operation. So it's very considerate. Yeah. And then and then at one point, um, she almost hit one of the nurses with her, you know, the, the head part of, of her costume because I guess she was like maybe nodding to a question the nurse was asking. It was like almost hit her. <laughs> and then and then she sat down and she wrote. She 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 bare. I guess she must have wore a sleeveless shirt um, or top in inside the costume. Made it easier for her to show her arm, her yeah. left arm out. It was all bare, bearing her left arm out, you know. And um, so there was another nurse giving her the jab. But the thing was that um, 
she the nurse had to tell her wait wait make sure you mm. like lean to the to the right so that she wouldn't be hitting that nurse oh, with the with the head part this too costume is it an occupational so hazard funny no, but apparently Huang Miss Huang herself is actually afraid of the needle too but she was willing to be so sacrificial and trying to encourage people there and make a scene and just people you know get a laugh you know from those who are really nervous we can need the the shot but, I guess um, if you have needle phobia, that is a bit of a distraction. Yeah. Right? How do you yeah. two feel about needles? Do either of you have needle phobia? They don't bother me. I, I, I'm totally fine. I mean, my, my mom told me that when I was little, I'm not afraid of a needle at all. And actually, I can, you know how people look away? Yeah. I, I, I watch them when they jab me. And, and even, like, you know, to, to uh, when I donate blood or whatever, you know. When do you prefer some, to watch it? I don't know. I'm not afraid of watching. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just not afraid. Are you? Uh, no, I'm not afraid. I, I don't think I like to watch it. Um, I don't know. I feel like one of my earliest memories was being at the doctor's office with my older brother. And at the time, he was very young. And I think he was getting his first shots that he was really conscious of. And I just remember seeing all these doctors and nurses have to come in to like hold him down because oh. he really didn't want to get the shot. I have a vague memory um, of being chased through a doctor's office for that reason. <laughs> but um, no, now they don't bother me. So yeah. I, I don't know. I would not be wearing a, a dinosaur suit to that event, though. Well, it was I don't really wanna... nice of her to do that. And apparently she did that because she saw how somebody else in Malaysia, a video of someone in Malaysia who did the same thing. So she's so not she even thought... the first person to do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's you the know. kind of thing we want to go viral, not COVID, right? No. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that really made all the medical workers, you know, their day, um, the day when she walked in and did that. But it's just so cute. I think I recognized that costume so many times. I mean, wasn't there a time like doing a typhoon? Oh, no, no, it was an air raid drill. Air raid drill. Two guys got arrested, I think, for running around in the streets when they were supposed to be indoors. Oh, right. In these, uh, in these... It, it looked exactly like that, one of the costumes. They're pretty there. readily <laughs> available. I know. Yeah, I think so. The brown colored and... Everyone yeah. has yeah, one hanging so up in their closet. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, they're so cheap. You can well, just get I, one. Well, better that than during an air raid drill. You're not supposed to be outside then. So. No, yeah. Well, some disturbing news on the food safety front. A bunch of Taiwan's very popular tea stand shops have uh, not passed muster with the latest round of inspections. Yeah, exactly. So they actually failed for the second time. Apparently, Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't just not once. Good. Yeah, apparently you don't get fined if you fail one time and then they come back later and if you pass the second time. Oh, it's just a little bit of salmonella. You yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Um, no, basically, I think... The E. coli adds flavor. Oh, God. Oh. I don't want to imagine that. Next time I'm going to a drink shop. <laughs> but basically, that there were 19 shops in Taipei that did not pass the initial test. And then in the follow-up inspection, nine of the vendors made improvements, but 10 of them failed a second time. So they were fine. So I guess we should explain to listeners who haven't been to Taiwan before what sort of establishment we're talking about. Um, in mm-hmm. Taiwan, it's very popular... Uh, to have, well, they can be stalls on the side of the road, but a lot of them are, are actual shops, and they sell a variety of uh, made-to-order sort of drinks, and a mm-hmm. lot of people like to take them to go on their scooters or whatever. They include the popular things like bubble tea, but there's a lot of varieties. You can choose sugar content. Sometimes they have little like goodies coconut, inside. jelly, Yeah, it's a jelly, 
They're just chewable drinks, um, you know, with all these. Very, well, you can get regular tea as well. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, lots of choices. It's very popular, and uh, but apparently not terribly sanitary. Um, yeah, which is kind of concerning because these drink shops, you literally, every five feet, I feel like you end up passing a new one, which I've always wondered, how did they stay in business with like so the, much competition? It's like oh, the God. convenience stores here. It's a mystery I to know. science. Yeah. In my area, we've got three right next door to each other. The yeah. third one just opened, and I'm thinking, wow, you, you really don't mind the competition. Yeah, you know? there's about five. Yeah, they seem like the most ideal I haven't had one, I haven't had anything from them in ages, though. I usually just make my own tea in the fridge. Are you, you know. more of a tea or coffee person? I'm both. They're mm-hmm. fine, but... I'm neither. But actually, I'll just make my own. I just don't think they quench thirst at all, you know. So I think the best thing is water. So we're all safe, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going to happen now, though? Are there's going to be fines it's now? It's totally the because time? of hygiene. That's the only problem. Uh yeah. Or it's too just, much. I don't know. It says specifically the type of bacteria. Um, yeah, it just says that oh, they no. have high the levels of, of bacterial com- contamination. Mm. Now they do say that. Um, some types of bacteria, even if they show up in the report, they're not necessarily harmful. Um, they, the yeah. department explained that many types of this coliform bacteria, they're harmless, um, but... And delicious. You don't, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you don't say that. They're harmless, you know. I mean, that, that is what the department well, I said. I don't know eat, if I'm convinced. I guess if we but, eat, like, uh, yogurt, well, we can deal with it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. basically finding this bacteria, though, it, it definitely indicates that there's probably poor sanitation and contamination during the production, oh. storage, and sales process. So they've been fined, and... Uh, they did not say exactly how much the vendors will be fined, but the law allows her penalties in the range of uh, thirty thousand to three million NT dollars. Three million is pretty serious. Yeah, yeah. thirty thousand for a business is probably a slap on the wrist. Yeah, but. that's the equivalent of about uh, one thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, could it be that the third time they found, you know, um, to be under par, they're going to be, you know, taking, taking the yeah. Like like their license taken away or something? Oh no! I'm this not is sure. Time I'm glad someone's yet. checking these things though. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for the health department. Because it's too popular. You know these drink shops. There's just too many of Don't them. Don't make excuses for them. <laughs> <laughs> they have to wipe down more, <laughs> I, uh, more that, thoroughly. And apparently the drink toppings, like what we were mentioning with the bubble tea and tapioca. The coconut, tapioca, IU jelly, taro balls, all of those passed inspection for levels of preservatives and artificial coloring. But I guess Which not is surprising for... because there's a lot of artificial coloring in some of those. Yes. yes. When you order a drink, like sometimes it's... I want to get something a little fruity and then it comes back in this neon, neon color. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, uh, I just wish I had gotten fruit and like put it in a blender or something. Right. There uh. are those kind of drink shops too. Just like fresh juice. Oh, those are so um, good. Juice bars. Fruit, fruit juice. Yeah. Yeah. Juice bars. But um, yeah. Well, it's good to know that, uh, like I said, someone's looking out for our welfare. Um, and this is all just in Taipei, right? Yeah, only in Taipei. So, so who knows what's happening a, in the rest of yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, it's a mystery everywhere else. Didn't you say that one of them was actually a pretty oh, big yeah, brand? Oh, yeah, that's true. One of I'm not sure if we can <laughs> we're not name well, names. Well, I mean, don't name names, but uh, yeah. it's One like, of them was a pretty big brand. That, they're like uh, the founder of the bubble tea, the pearl milk tea, yeah, I mean, so the, to speak. I feel like people are still so. arguing about who really invented bubble tea. It's something oh, kind well, of hard true. to track down, but <laughs> this has definitely this store has definitely tried to claim the title. Well, it's okay. a you know, a bit of spot. I wonder if this it'll hurt sales now that this has been publicized. They're meant to hurt sales. <laughs> That's why they. I, or, or maybe people just won't care. Like eh, it's harmless. They, they want them to get serious about their you know sanitation. That's why. That mm. does they publicize it. Well. 
So, get your acts together. I know. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Thanks to everyone who joined us on Facebook and left a comment. And thanks to everyone who joined us on the radio as well. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Emma Banat. And I'm Shirley Lin. Don't go anywhere just yet, because coming up next, it is Hashtag Taiwan Highlights and In the Spotlight. Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. Every week in the show, we take a look at what's trending online in Taiwan. We take a look at what people are talking about, what YouTube videos they're watching, or maybe a piece of news that people are talking about. Sometimes I might even tell you about a trending hashtag, hence the name of the show. Anyway, this week I'm going to talk to you about the Olympics because they just ended and Taiwan had its best ever performance at any Olympic Games like ever. One of the highlights for Taiwan at this uh, Olympic Games in Tokyo was winning gold in men's doubles badminton. Now that is Taiwan's very first medal in badminton and in fact the nail-biting final game actually gave us a very iconic moment which is now immortalized and memefied in Taiwan. I'm going to be telling you about this meme which is actually a pretty simple picture. Think about a bright lime green two perpendicular white lines and in the middle of one of those white lines is a gray dot. This image has become iconic in Taiwan and I'm going to explain to you why right now. Have a look at this picture. Doesn't look like much, does it? It actually just looks like a couple of white stripes against a green background with a little dark spot in the middle of one of those stripes. Simple as it may seem, the image has become a symbol of one of the most iconic moments in Taiwanese Olympic history. Last Saturday, Taiwanese badminton duo Li Yang and Wang Qiling made history when they won Taiwan's very first medal in badminton ever. And to put icing on the cake, they won gold. Li and Wang's journey wasn't an easy one. They didn't even start playing together until 2019. They lost their very first matchup in the Olympics to India. They weren't exactly favored, even though they were ranked third in the world at the time. However, heads turned when Li and Wang defeated the number one and number two teams on their way to the finals. Their rise through the competition made headlines, and when they finally made it to the finals, it was against Li Junhui and Liu Yuchen of China. I already told you they won the gold medal, so you know how that turned out. But the amazing thing was, the Chinese team contested the very last shot of the match, so Li and Wang couldn't celebrate their victory right away. 
However, the challenge gave us this image, which confirmed that the last shot of the game landed in bounds, handing Lee and Wong their very first gold medal. And that is how this symbol of Taiwanese victory came to be. So popular was the image that people suggested turning it into flags, t-shirts, and even a very creative credit card from Taiwan Land Bank, Lee and Wong's sponsors. Taiwanese model Melody had a mock-up of what a t-shirt of the image would look like, mere hours after Lian Wong's final match. People also noticed that the white lines formed a T-shape and wrote in A-I-W-A-N to spell Taiwan with the shadow of the shuttlecock dotting the I. People here sure are creative. In other badminton news, the world number one badminton women's singles player Dai Ying of Taiwan earned herself a silver medal. On her way to the final match, she played a particularly nail-biting match against her Thai rival Rachinok Intanon. Now, I watched the game and it nearly killed me. There was one particularly insane rally which ended with both Dai and Intanon on the floor. I'd show you that moment if I could, but you know, copyrights and stuff. However, the image of both Dai and Intanon splayed out on the floor was so iconic that several artists captured the moment in cartoon form. Dai ultimately beat out Intanon, and an emotional Intanon couldn't help but cry immediately following the match. Taiwanese people, myself included, recognized that Intanon played a great match, and at times it seemed like she really had Dai on the ropes. So after the match, several Taiwanese internet users flocked to Intanon's social media accounts to say she played a great game and that she shouldn't be too hard on herself. And after China's Chen Yufei upset Dai in the finals, India's PV Sindhu took it upon herself to comfort Dai. Dai Ying in a Facebook post said Sindhu sought out Dai after the final match and told her she performed very well and that today just wasn't Dai's day. The story only gets more touching after you realize Sindhu lost to Dai in the semifinals. Taiwan is having its best Olympic performance ever in Tokyo and it's making for a lot of great and memorable moments. And if there's one thing you can count on Taiwan for, it's to immortalize these moments with creativity, humor, and kindness. Oh, sounds like that last word got cut off. I meant to say kindness. Anyway, guys, that's all we have for this week. Until next week, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. I'll be back with a new hashtag then. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. This week, I spoke with a sports scientist to ask him, why are we doing so well in the Olympics? Professor Ho Wei Hua at Taipei University tells me what he thinks and also shows me how he's using AI to help train weightlifters like Guo Xingchun win the gold. Taiwan is rocking at the Tokyo Olympics with Guo Xingchun breaking three Olympic records and Team Taiwan athletes winning more medals than ever before. Why is Team Taiwan doing so well? Well, Professor He Weihua, the head of the Sports Intelligence Lab at the University of Taipei, has some ideas. He says it's a dedication of the athletes and coaches, and the government has poured more resources into its sports programs. In recent years, Taiwan's athletes have also gained more experience competing on the world stage. Another element of Taiwan's success is its advanced technology. That's where Professor He comes in. He uses AI to train Taiwan's weightlifters. This weightlifting tracking sensor locks onto the barbell and tracks Guo Xingchun's moves. That way, she can adjust and perfect her form. 
so that she can go on to win the gold at the Tokyo Olympics. Mind you, Guo didn't only win the gold, she set three Olympic records in the process. The lab also uses AI to create shock and sound absorbing mats for Guo and other weightlifters so they don't damage their hearing during practice. And don't tell anyone, it's even been used to gather intelligence on Guo's rivals, like this North Korean weightlifter who made a rare public appearance at the 2019 World Weightlifting Championships. By using AI to track the height and speed of her movements, we could devise a strategy to beat her at the Olympics. Now, Taiwan isn't the only country using AI to win its medals. Professor He said AI was one of the weapons that China used against Taiwan's badminton star Dai Ziying. Sports scientists think that Dai Ziying's loss in the badminton finals was due to China's effective use of intelligence. The Chinese coaches had complete mastery over Dai's shots, including her fake moves and aces that should have enabled her to win. Everyone, China, Japan, South Korea, even the U.S., the U.K., and Australia, is using AI to gather intelligence on their rivals. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Anne Liao is a social entrepreneur, educator, and public speaker. She specializes in sustainability and green technology. Last week, Anne told me that COVID has affected her a lot in her work, since as a public speaker, she couldn't hold gatherings or workshops. But she talked about the Future Burger Festival, which is a food security project about safeguarding Taiwan's food industries and technology. Anne says there are people out there who cares about food security but knows very little about it, so she wants to educate them. She said it's a whole food supply issue that starts with the climate change. If people cannot go out there to grow the crop by hand, then who's going to create the food? She talked about fake meat that's made in the lab, but you know that it's hygienic and made in a safe place, and that you know it's made without extra chemicals. That is just actual meat and protein. Today, I begin by asking if Anne has been eating differently or more healthily now. So, yeah. are you eating any differently? Um, I don't know. Since COVID started, I mean, I think you've always yeah. been a healthy eater, but oh, really? Since COVID no, started, no, I, I mean, I mean, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm like healthy, healthy, but I would say I moved in. Actually, this is very interesting. I moved uh, back in with family. I live with my uncle, oh, and yeah. we're both vegetarians. So he's the uh, only vegetarian out of the whole family. My <laughs> grandmother had seven children, uh, and my uncle, who I'm living with, is the only vegetarian. Um, but he is super simple. Like he, you know, he really just eats like mostly raw and then like some, you know, very simple things. But me, like I really need to eat like a lot of food. Uh -huh. Um, and I was suffering because, um, my aunt's house, which is where we're living in right now, she doesn't allow like yo yin. Like you can't have any like stir frying, no oils, right? right. It's, it's old house. So you might have like cockroaches and things. Uh -huh. So for me, I only have 
an option which is one um, like rice cooker. Uh-huh. And I have to make all my things in a rice cooker, so I have to plan it. So it's really healthy yeah. actually because I don't use yes. any oil. Right. You know, I, I use like purely like vegetables, and then like I make them into a stew, and mm. then I think about ways to use that through three different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's like a basic stew, right? And then yeah. maybe soy base, soy yeah. sauce base, like as a, and then like sukiyaki a little bit. Uh huh. But then the next stage would be like adding some kimchi. It becomes like Korean pot. Yeah. And then it can go into curry or something. Sounds so good. I'm always thinking about yeah ways to <laughs> multiply the benefits. Yeah, and eat rice. Yeah, I know rice cookers. They come in so handy. I mean, yes, students yes. when they go abroad to study and they bring a rice cooker with them to to uh, to the dorm, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I used to eat mm-hmm. so like luxury at the at the dorm because I used to be very. I mean, first of all. I wasn't vegetarian at the time, but right. I used to make like barbecues at home, and I used to, <laughs> you know, I, I used to cook a lot. And now I only have a rice cooker, so uh-huh. and you're I'm de- extra you're, creative. Right? <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, anything yeah. else that's different about your life since COVID started? Um, I mean, a lot of things. I think. Um, you know, even like maintaining friendships. Right. I yeah. think this is something that. We could talk about more, like more personal. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, sometimes with work and with business, I mean, you know, that's one struggle. But I think with maintaining friendships, relationships, mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing that I think uh, having that I had a lot of long distance relationships when I was younger. Mm. And so it really comes in handy with uh with with friendships right now with um you know maintaining friendships from all over the world so we would call each other easier and i realized that actually this situation has benefited me Ah. because i'm able to i'm just at home so i'm able to organize my time quite well Mm -hmm. like i have more time to actually connect with friends right because i'm not out there walking around and like yeah i'm actually calling them and Uh you know making these time to catch up and and right. it feels yeah quite nice actually oh yeah you're right you know you know sometimes mm. when you're so busy you don't think about all these other friends that you have that are out in different corners of the world but yes, um, and, yes. you, and the last time you were in touch with each other was like years ago but you know mm. to be in touch again yeah that's true that's true yeah yeah, yeah. you know and um, everybody is uh, more used to this as well calling on zoom and calling they're more used to this before pre-covid yeah. a lot of people don't like going on the phone a lot or <laughs> going online unless you really have to but now it's normal it's normal right. to do that yeah 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 well, thanks yeah. to technology <laughs> honestly really thanks yes. to technology really so, yeah really. i think in you yeah. know that it, it seems like the world was prepared for this you know so that yeah, I think that's great. Definitely. Yeah, I remember that you actually uh, some time ago you actually moved out and lived by yourself. And I was yes. wondering, you know, because apparently, you know, um, buying pets and growing plants has yeah. been on the surge <laughs> yes, yes, since yes, COVID, especially yeah. for those people. And I realized that I'm not a pet person, but I realized okay. that there are some people who live by themselves. They can't go to work, and so they are stuck in the apartment by themselves all day long and they decide to have pets to keep them company and i wondered if if that ever crossed your mind you know oh for sure we have five dogs you know what like yeah yeah i adopted (laughs) like me and my mom we adopted five together so i adopted the first one and the second one she adopted the the last three so we have um you know four mixed uh breeds like basically taiwanese like you know um uh, mixed Hiko. dogs oh. yeah well they're not black or oh, okay. black colored but they're all different colors um and then we have one maltese like purebred because um my mom's friend couldn't take care of her uh, so did, we have five yeah but did all this happen during covid or prior 
to oh, it was COVID. prior. Uh-huh. It was prior. Yeah. But I think what's really great about, um, you know, coming back, like, kind of in the home, because my family, we're in a building, but I don't live with my parents. I live with my uncle. Mm. So we have that kind of, like, distance, like, the healthy distance. But sometimes when I'm feeling really lonely, I really do feel that sometimes. Mm. I just go and hang out with the dogs, and then I feel so much better. <laughs> like, their energy is so like all-encompassing, really loving, and I just give so many hugs to them, and then I feel alive again. Oh, so yeah. it really does make a difference. I mean, of, really course, some, of course, some pet owners, you know, see their pets as like children, you know, yes, yes. in place of children, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my son was, was uh, for some reason, was trying to convince me and my husband to get a pet, and that's yeah. only because we're empty nesters, you know, and but I don't know. Um, I I'm, I haven't really given it much thought yet. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. think pets don't have to be like a dog or a cat or it you're can right. Be something as like a turtle or like a goldfish or just mm. some. You know, I feel like we, you know, we want to connect with something and that really understands us. But you know, <laughs> yeah, without you're talking, right. maybe. Yeah. So you know, having something there to just like invest your time and in, invest your love in can mm. feel very fulfilling. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Okay, going back on, you know, these, um, you know, this educational uh, public speaking thing. Prior to COVID, you were giving these um, workshops in person, mostly. Yes. Was it difficult to adjust to being doing online? I mean, is there more obstacles you had to overcome? Is there more difficulties in doing these classes online? Mm. Yeah, well, I think online is a very different world because, you know, you have to sort of um, get in tune with the online space. So what I mean by that is, you know, as a like as, as an educator, you have to empathize with people online mm. and and sometimes you can't really see them as well. Right. Because maybe their screen is blurry. Maybe yes. they don't even have their photos open. What, so you have to really be in tune with their voice. It, it's very like <laughs> that's you a good know, point I, yeah yeah and, and you really have to see like where they pause why aren't they responding uh-huh. there's a lot of these cues that um i've become really good at being involved you yeah. know like but it's good being an intuitive person because i'm quite an intuitive person mm. my personality my personality type is in, like more intuitive yeah so for me i feel the air right i can read the room really well so i realized <laughs> that it actually it works for me because uh-huh. now i have everybody on the screen or i can you know really call out to exactly who they are you yeah. know in school or like if i'm going public speaking at somewhere you know people are scattered right yeah and so sometimes if you're in the very front you don't really interact with people at the very very back mm-hmm. but since now everybody's put to be in the front row yeah. seat uh-huh. i can call them out whenever <laughs> you know i can say please share with me what you feel and i can just call their names because their yeah. names are going to be typed out right <laughs> so it actually makes it the the process quite efficient mm, that's interesting but was there anything that's lacking that you had when you were doing in person that you kind of miss was there yeah like personal yeah. connection i like, think you right? like touching people like giving hugs yeah. that kind of thing <laughs> i mean no yeah <laughs> i don't give too many of those okay. but i might like what I will take more time to, you know, mm. sort of like bring them to the side, really like hear them out, like empathize, like what's happening, like if they're not doing a good job, um, I'll, you know, really, you know, understand it from their perspective or like, you know, with, with business meetings, uh, right? Yeah. When you're in presently, you can talk about more other things. You can, 
you know, kind of like engage and 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 laugh about things and then come back. It's more like human, right? It's、mm. it's it's more present. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That yeah, that's lacking. So you kind of miss that, huh? Yeah, definitely. I mean,、mm. with friendship, of course, the hugging, right? With work, it's like you're not gonna go hug people.、Right. But、uh, with 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 friendships, of course, I I miss like you know giving a lot of hugs and、mm. like laughing, eating, sharing food. I think sharing food is such a powerful thing, isn't it? Like when you're in the same、huh. space, you're enjoying like snacks together, talking、yeah. about life. Yeah. It makes、right. sense that business meetings all happen through dinner, like some food get together. Yeah. yeah, that's that's why it's always been ingrained in the Chinese culture, huh? To eat together at a round table, everybody sharing from the same bowls and the same、yes. plates and the same, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes, I think、definitely. human just really need that, huh? It's really interesting. I mean, you really got me thinking. Like, you know, just things that human just need to have. And because of COVID, you know, we're stuck at home,、mm. and we miss out、mm. on those kind of things. You know, right, right, yeah. Right. So, right. Anything else that's different about you know life during COVID? I think another thing is exploring creativity, like something that you know my identity. A lot of you know for a long time was very business oriented, right? Very、mm. focused on the outside, like the business. And I think it is because it is my passion, and I'm fe- I feel very connected as a as a person. Through my work, yes.、Um, but there's a lot of other things that I didn't explore for a long time, right?、Uh-huh. Um, like very pure things, like art, like、uh-huh. painting, or you know, illustration. Things that are very, yeah, just things that I just love doing, like just random things. You, you mean now I have more time to connect. So you're saying you're painting, or you're talking、yeah. about to like art exhibits? Which no, one no, are you no. talking about? I mean, like, like drawing myself. Like, oh, really? Exploring back into you know what I really enjoyed when I was growing design, up. Design,、right? but like, of course, okay, I see. Yeah, so design is more graphics, but yeah, going back into a paintbrush, a pencil, and you know this kind of thing is just helping me build my inner world again. Ah,、oh. like、building up that yeah, very、okay. pure yeah. Well, what、um, about yourself? I mean, you know, work aside. And、yeah. you know, like when you feel lonely, you go hug those five dogs. But what <laughs> other things do you like to do on on your own? I mean, because now you、on、know we do have、own. a lot more、mm-hmm. time to ourselves. Yeah, I know yeah, for yeah. me, I've you know I've started reading. I haven't given time to reading, you know. Yeah. And I、yeah. I have so many books at home, and I start looking through, and I, I and I read better in, in English. So I was like, there's only limited few, and I actually found five books that I thought I was going to go through during this time until. They lift the lockdown, I guess. But、um, you know, and maybe piano, which I haven't. You know, I, we have a piano, but I've never really、yeah. touched it. And so, you know, things like that. What about for you? Yeah. So mine was the painting part.、Um, um, okay. I'm doing all of these things simultaneously,、um, and I also started a YouTube channel actually. Oh, you did?、Um, you, yes, I did. <laughs> I'm like going back to explore, sort of,、um, you know, how does this work? Like,、uh, you know, how do I build, create content? Um, on YouTube in 2021, because a long time ago I was doing YouTube, but it wasn't the same landscape. Now it's very professional. Like YouTube is very professional. Everybody seems to have like the best camera, the best、yeah. microphone, everything. But I'm just using my iPhone, and my、oh. personality now is more relaxed. I think it's more like I'm just gonna do things and、uh-huh. see how it works, and then change things accordingly when I need to. Um,、yeah. it's less like trying to gain something. 
Mm. In the past, it was very like, I want to gain this mm. um, for sharing. But now, since, you know, my business is so like part of my identity and my public speaking, that YouTube is ready for me to kind of wind down and share uh, experiences, you know, my professional life and, and personal philosophy. Well, then you are very versatile. You say you just only use mobile. Right. Yeah. To do yeah, all this. Life is really good when it's simplified. Thanks for sharing. It's really Thank a great. Thank you so much, Shirley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with everything you're doing. Keep at it. You're always good at that. I, I do remember that you're just always, you know, thinking about how to do better. And you're really a great public speaker. You're a smooth speaker. Thank you so much. Keep at it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Anne. Stay safe. All right. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.